Live from Guttercat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? So many people hopping into this space as already. Thanks for being here. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world. And welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. I am so excited about today's show. When you talk about conviction in this space, look no further. Today's guest started his entire business around blockchain law, from working on creating solutions for legal transfer of digital assets to deceased loved ones, to now working in the NFT space nearly full-time by creating JTM Tech Law and working around-the-clock consulting, prepping agreements, and advising DAOs. He has worked with artists, marketplaces, auction houses, and many others in between. It's my absolute honor to share the stage with a true visionary in the space, Jacob Martin, or aka the NFT attorney. What is going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, totally. I think we had uh, the longest pre-show intro I've ever had, but I love it. We're just, just hopping right into it. Hell yeah, man. I'm so excited that you're here. And I'm also excited to learn a little bit more about your journey. As I was uh, looking into your work in the space, I found that you actually got into uh, crypto far before NFT. So I'd love for you just to take a minute to chat about your journey into the crypto space and then how that evolved into the NFT space. Totally, totally. Yeah. So I, you know, like, like everybody you have here, I missed Bitcoin moment. Um, when I was 2013, uh, I was 18. My 16-year-old little brother was uh, purchasing Bitcoin to go buy weed in Houston. Uh, you know, we lived a, we lived an hour outside of the city, and and he was like, I need to run into town to grab some Bitcoin to go buy some weed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, so what's Bitcoin? Is it just black market money? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> that's so that, what, that is that's what it was. That's what it that was, was known for. The entirety of the of the conversation. So uh, I missed Bitcoin then, um, but in 2016, right before I started law school, um, I don't remember who, who it even was that said it because it wasn't like a oh everything just clicked kind of moment, but it just like some somewhere between Reddit and life just kind of I think you know. Bitcoin hit and made sense. And so then I started like in law school, just researching it really heavily from an academic perspective. Um, and then I looked for an internship at a law firm that would be like at, at least willing to work on blockchain, if not focused on it. And I found a small spot in Santa Monica that ended up working on several like ICO, you know, setups and, and a lot of paperwork. And so I got to go down the rabbit hole there. But, you know, at the end of my internship, we were talking about renewing and my boss was like, dude, you know, you gave our clients more business advice than legal advice. Like, you're probably better at business than you are at grammar, right? Like, go mm -hmm. go work with these guys on, or go work with someone, or go build something yourself. And so, I thought about it for a little while, and then that's what I did. I, um, you know, I looked for the most archaic thing I could that was at law school. It's like, you know, what is what are smart contracts going to replace here? And wills and trusts just stood out to me as like the most archaic possible thing, you know, mm -hmm. someone dies and then, you know, especially if there's even relatively complicated assets, it's like a two year court case, not, not a court case, but like a two year like process of like divvying up and negotiating and waiting for court dates and whatever. And I was like, that's ridiculous. We should just be able to say, insert death certificate, prove death and pass along who gets what, um, so at the end of the day, like if you get into the weeds of that, that that was essentially an NFT, right? We were trying to mint PDFs to Ethereum, hard code a rule set under it of what would happen next, and then upon death, you know, um, have an execution. So uh, death and execution in the same sentence is a pretty aggressive sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that, it is uh, that's a that in general could be a whole conversation because it's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I mean, it just shows everything. Here. 
everything when it comes to crypto and blockchain is just like it just makes things easier right it's just it it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make it nearly as complicated as like the old i love the word archaic that you keep using because that's what it does feel like sometimes when we're operating the way we do and even when it comes to any field you can find the same thing people that are just doing it because they've done it for years and years even though there's a, a 10 times faster way or more effective way to do it it doesn't matter sorry for interrupting yeah. go ahead i still no, I, no. and well, so one thing I learned then during the process, and you know, and we didn't we didn't end up succeeding there. Like we didn't have Gnosis Multisig to work with. We didn't have several of the things that are available now, which I think I think again it's still solvable and it should be solved at some point. But uh, um, you know, that's a different conversation. But um, yeah, I, I came out of that process, but I realized in law school and as an entrepreneur, like there's a lot of attorneys and there's a lot of accountants and there's a lot of professionals in general but you know if you think about the average adult we already work our own like 40 50 60 hour week so like how is an attorney at a major law firm who already works 60 hours a week and probably drinks too much like how are they going to actually learn and keep up with how degenerate crypto is mm -hmm. if they aren't they can't they're working right they're they're registering filings and they're you know litigating other things so you know, as a law school student, I was like, I know it's kind of crazy to think, but you could come out of law school if you did three years of heavy research and be one of the top blockchain attorneys right away, at least just for knowing what's going on or, or being able to spot the issues, you know? Um, so I did some of that. And then, you know, at this point, I can, I guess, comfortably say I've got like not just four years of knowing what Ethereum is. Like I've got like four or five years of that, but like four years of legitimate like productizing and working with smart contracts. So like when I have a smart contracts conversation, it's got like, you know, a, a lot of length and depth and, and we can go different directions instead of just like, oh, yeah, I know what that is, you know, mm -hmm. um, which, again, it's not like a brag thing. It's just like it's where I'm at. It's where I was, you know. Well, you've been so, around for almost since the, like you've been around Ethereum since almost uh, the launch, it sounds like. Yeah, not, you know, I mean, obviously Aaron Wright and some of the crew that were in the room together in 2014 are, are still years ahead of me. But yeah, like I've been reading their research since 2016, 2017, you know, mm. and, um, you know, I think Aaron's book came out in 2017 or 2018, Blockchain and the Law. Um, but yeah, so all of that kind of took me to where, you know, um, the, we shut down our company early 2020. And then COVID hit almost right away and 2020 was a bit of a wash. I was just doing some like legal work for, you know, other attorneys, some part-time stuff, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then NFTs hit me in their kind of current form. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, obviously it took like conviction and, you know, me, me being willing to, to risk it to, to get the biscuit, you know, but I was like, yeah, like I'll do it. Like I, that's the space that's going to need someone who knows what they're doing and i don't see a ton of like people practicing here like i don't see a ton of options for a company so i'm gonna go try to be the best attorney or you know one of the best attorneys in that space like 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 someone that just understands the questions so that's what i've done and that's been the last uh you know since i guess january february this year was when i started kind of being like attempting to be as far out front as possible you know and i've had a, a ton of a ton of fun clients this year and a lot of success doing that and uh, it's been it's been a great run i mean it's always inspiring to hear um, anyone in the space that has conviction but when you have conviction for such a long time it's even more inspiring i'm just so curious when you were interested in blockchain and tech and and that's what you wanted to talk about in uh in in law school, how, you know, other, other, uh, law students, uh, were thinking about this fascination that you had, um, because it was definitely not something that people thought was legitimate back then. It was really funny for me because as I stopped reading my textbooks and focused on like external things and trying to build a startup and raise funding, it was funny because my grades went up pretty significantly by attempting to try less. Um, and I don't really know what the correlation there is, um, but feel free to tell your mom that you can make good grades and not read. <laughs> um, I, I basically like, when I was reading law school textbooks, the thing is like, you dig into so much like BS and mm -hmm. like useless stuff that's not applicable anymore, that it's like, learn the history of the thing and whatever. But what I did was, you know, 
just like anything else in life. It's like I streamlined what my focus was. So the only things I was paying attention to in class were the things that made sense to me and that I knew I would need for the test or whatever. But, you know, when people are like, well, why are you doing what you're doing or, or whatever? It's like, oh, well, you know, I believe blockchain is the future and it's going to put most of you guys out of jobs anyways. So like, <laughs> right, like you're, you're all going right. to first, first to third year associates at a major law firm and they're going to use AI that can read a contract quicker and better than you anyways, looking for grammatical errors. So like, I don't want to race you and AI. I'd rather just go work on blockchain tech that's going to destroy thousands of jobs anyways and make everything a little faster and better. And, you know, so the conversations never got very far because no one was willing to, like, see that as actually happening, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, it affects their jobs. It affects their futures. And, and I think it does, and I think it will. Um, so the options were jump on board, you know, or, 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 you know, let's see what we think here, or put your head in the sand and think that Jacob's kind of crazy. And mm -hmm. uh, I think I think it was more of the latter, but uh, I have more more of my law school classmates that reach out to me now. Yeah, of course. That are uh, quite quite curious of uh, what's that punk thing on your LinkedIn? Um, <laughs> do you own it? And uh, what do you do again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, How yeah. much is that punk worth, by the way? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's insane. And just uh, be able to see, you know, the transfer, the transformation of minds coming to the space. It's always, uh, it's always an honor to talk to people that have been around that have believed in the tech and um, what it, what was to come, because it was a very lonely island uh, for a few years. I mean, I didn't even get in until after you in uh, 2017. But it was it was much much more lonely you didn't have and I think that's why I became so bullish uh, on NFTs more recently is because you don't feel the community as much uh, you just feel like there's all these projects and you're trying to understand and hope that you can figure out which ones will excel because of the teams that are on them and uh, you do a lot of research on teams and what they're building if they're building it the right way but it's just so hard to really get to know other people and it feels so lonely so it's uh it's an honor that you you mean you put your head um down and just continue to focus on building and figuring this out and helping others and so uh just mad props to you for having that conviction early on what are uh what are some of the most frequent questions that you you got back in the day uh when it came to law uh, around the space versus kind of what the focus has turned to more recently yeah you know i think i was probably I was pushing people to think earlier this year specifically about like, you know, artist collaboration agreements and who owns what IP and how are you guys handling taxes and artists? Are you setting up escorts? Like, are you protecting yourselves? Like I was, I was bringing some of that up in like, I don't know, clubhouse rooms and just chatting with friends and colleagues and stuff. And, and it, it didn't really get anyone excited because it's such a non-sexy topic, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, I stopped talking about – the two things that I stopped talking about earlier this year was I didn't want to talk anymore about securities and I didn't want to talk anymore about taxes mm -hmm. because they basically just triggered people. They are. They're like, Okay, like if those two are going to trigger people, well, then we're not going to move things forward anyways by people freaking out. So I'll wait till somebody asks me, you know, mm -hmm. and then mid year and now more, more now the two topics that I chose to avoid earlier this year are the two topics I get asked about the most now, <laughs> right? Like, because the IP stuff kind of settled it's, itself this year, right? Everybody saw board apes and then, you know, four, one punk, four, one, five, six, and some others really pushed hard on, on the provenance conversation. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like everybody's kind of really eased up on like, what IP do I own? What IP should I own? Like, how do I handle the IP? And that's, you know, shifted almost entirely into, all right, we don't care about IP anymore. IP is fine. Now we want to know about securities. Also, what's my tax burden? Yeah. Those are the, probably the two that I get hit with the most on like the NFT side. And then DAOs are their own conversation. And I think DAOs, it's, it's somewhere between structure, like legal structure, and then just like workflow. Because DAOs are really hard, man. Like, mm -hmm. I, I I put together Ready Player DAO and, and brought some friends together and and, it, and you know some others that weren't my friends, but it's it's worked out really well. And um, but it's hard. DAOs are hard to get people to commit part of their week to a thing when they're doing so many other things, you mm -hmm. know. And then yeah. joining multiple DAOs, and so now you've got 
contributors who are a part of four, five, six DAOs, they're not voting on half the things in each of the things they touch, right? Yeah, exactly. So, that was the same problem you know, once uh, they started um, creating these projects. Like Uniswap was probably one of the most known ones, but even there's smaller ones that came after that. And it was funny because there's, uh, there's like thousands of people that could be voting or staking to vote and it's like a very small percentage actually being active in making decisions and it just goes to show a lot of the building that was happening it wasn't building and not everyone in the community cared about the building they cared about flipping and there's so many traders uh post 2020 and that was their main mission was just to flip and trade they didn't they didn't want to be involved in company decisions right yeah i mean the the concept that you can just buy a token on the market and then all of a sudden you're a part of the membership of the thing is also such a, uh, if you think about it, having, it's like having liquid responsibility, mm. right? You can buy a thing, help for two seconds or not help. And then you're, you're basically trading on like that liquid, yeah, like responsibility. Like you don't have to be responsible here. You don't have to help or work. Somebody else is going to help and work, right? And that's that's what pushes these things into some of these things specifically into really weird securities territory where like you could be voting and you could be helping thing move forward, but you're really just buying and holding and hoping thing go up. That's yeah. security, right? So it's like weird like definitionally at that point as well. Yeah, it's almost like this. We talk. I talk a lot on the show about like how um, a lot of people that got into NFTs just in the last few months from something like Top Shot or like all of the um, all of the onboarding that's being done. It's uh, it just makes you go back and think like this is um, like how quick the space moves and all of these people they they're getting into the space without necessarily knowing a lot about what's happening. And it just reminds me of when I joined in 2017 at the end of it, because it was at the hype of the ICO craze. And I remember the pain of the, you know, the, the correction that happened back then. And so it's like, uh, if you don't have conviction and you're not actually continually re, you know, refocused on figuring out how to build and what, how to, correct you know a learning error when you make a choice uh, a lot of people can uh, get hurt in this space and that's also something that you know no one wants um, but it's something that is very real and it's easy for people to say we're all going to make it but then when you have a uh, hundred thousand people that are down 30 40 percent uh, they don't feel that way you don't think we're all going to make it <laughs> <laughs> i mean we uh, uh yeah i mean it sucks right it sucks but it's true right like there's gonna be people who make bad trades i mean look i got i like it's not really um part of what we're talking about but like even i got scammed this week first time i've ever been scammed mm -hmm. um and like that sucks like 30 30 grand right down the drain mm -hmm. and like, thankfully for me, it wasn't my only 30 grand. It wasn't my last 30 grand. You know, it's like, I mean, well, actually, like, I literally have to liquidate some things to get that back to pay to pay for a friend. Um, but yeah, like, with your guard down at all, you know, I, I think that everyone has to be as paranoid as possible. And, um, you know, if, if you're going to send ETH to a friend, make them get on FaceTime with you, like Richard recommended when I, you know, tweeted about this the other day. It's like, you get the added benefit of seeing your friend's face and, you know, also like you're not going to send ETH to a fake discord that looks just like your friend and operates just like your friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, D's did it earlier this year with Andy. I, I did it this year with with Poopy from the Doodles team. And it's just like freaking sucks. Like, you know, so this is, you know, 30 grand. That, that could have been somebody's 30 grand where like that's literally all they had. Um and now, like, they've got no shot at paying their taxes or dealing with their other stuff or paying rent, right? Like, yeah. it can happen, you know? So yeah, and I mean, anyone that's, anyone that's made it in this space, even, you know, even the best of us that have been here for years and years, I love that you mentioned that story because, I mean, I, I've lost tens of thousands of dollars in this space as well because of learning mistakes or because I uh, got, I let my guard down and, um, and I took a risk that I... 
ended up it ended up being what I was hoping it wouldn't be. You're always hoping right. something's you know too good to be true. Let me take this risk, and then usually it is too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> and so and and it's just sad. But at the same time, you know, for a lot of people that turns them off completely the space. I have a lot of friends that were, or I know a few people that were in the space around 2017, 2018. And they still haven't come back because they they lost so much during that time. Uh, and right. you know they get it all in, involved in the hype cycles and and a lot of people do that which is why it's always i talk about on this show just you've got to continue to learn about this space because if you if you don't take the time it, you're you're not going to make it right a lot of us will make it we all are going to make it everyone that's here for the long term that sees the future and the true potential of the space we're going to make it but if you don't see the potential of the space long term it's going to be much harder uh just trying to get involved in the next hype because hypes have tops uh and usually the time that people find out about them is uh, is right around when they're getting close to that point um so so it's uh <laughs> That's it's a great way to put it yeah yeah it's just sad to see a lot of the people that are hurt the most are the ones that you know are the people that could have been onboarded if if everyone was just uh kind of chilling a little bit more and and not right. just spitting you know hype into everyone's face so uh, one thing i do want to ask you about and this has been on my mind a lot because we're living in a world where the government is starting to catch up. I think it's so funny, and I'm sure you've seen the interviews where, you know, the Fed acted like they, one, first they didn't know what Bitcoin was then, it was just a speculative asset, and now finally it's like, really, this is so, it's just humorous looking back at, like, the Fed minutes and the meetings and the questions, and every time over the last few years that Bitcoin or crypto comes up, the changes in responses as it continues to not go away. And so um, we live in this current world world where there's like this archaic model, archaic laws, uh, a lot of unjust ways that people have set up because of, you know, all kinds of prejudices, all these issues that we have ingrained into our society. Okay. And then, so there's this world. And then we have the world that we're building where we're basically starting from the ground and we're having to build it from the ground up. Um, and I'm curious how long or what it looks like. Do you ever see us like these worlds that we're kind of currently in uh, eventually evolving and splitting away from each other and almost becoming like this borderless nature? Or do you all, all see like within our lifetime, at least, that we will always be kind of interoperating like the status quo where it's just kind of this uh, pull, like this give and take between these two systems and uh, worlds, and they're just kind of clashing over and over trying to figure out a way forward? So a friend sent me the most perfect analogy to your question that I've, I think could have ever existed. Um, there's an X-Men comic book series called House of X and mm. Power of X. And it's literally like the only like X-Men line, I, I'm pretty sure, that shows um, Magneto and Charles Xavier teaming up. And what they do is, is they say humanity is going to kill us mutants every time, every single time. And our only shot is to team up and say mutants versus humans, formally, all mutants versus all humans. And uh, it's an interesting series, and I recommend reading it, actually. There's a mutant, and, and her ability is every time she dies, she comes back to life. Mm -hmm. um like her life starts back over like 50 years ago but she keeps all her memories um and each time she tries her life she's like well maybe we could work with magneto this time or maybe we could work with america this time or maybe we work with russia this time anyways what they end up landing on is like the mutants banding together is the only option and there's not a like really an option where the two intertwine um that might sound kind of aggressive for me to say, but I think there's a world where like, that's what artists and or web three is going to do a little bit where it's like the only way we're ever going to have artists leave their 70 K a year job at Disney and be self-sufficient is to actually just band together and form their own Island mm -hmm. and just be like, Hey Disney, you can pay us over here on the Island. Like you can buy a movie from the Island. Mm -hmm. Like, like, but that's it. That's your only option, you know? And, and I think for now we're doing a lot of playing nice, like, uh, you know, central, like web two, web three are playing nice together right now and trying to figure out how to do KYC on things and how to move certain things forward. Right. But like at the end of the day, like, I don't know if 
like I don't know what's gonna what it's gonna take, but I, I assume that we're gonna see more crypto people kind of bow their neck at some point and yeah. like legitimately try to try to buy the island of Portugal, right? Or like like buy the buy all of Portugal or buy an island off the coast or, you know, like buy Greece. <laughs> like I don't know. Like I, yeah, I do it's think there's interesting. A world, there's a world where there's like a physical country like that's gonna manifest from the metaverse because we're also crowning, you know, more and more crypto individuals as billionaires every month right i mean between yeah. sam and Ro- sam and rohan and give devin and the open sea crew another six months and you know you know the winklevi and and whatnot right like i could rattle off 10 people and i could probably text five of them right now right mm-hmm. like that's a small group of people but at the same time that's a very powerful tight-knit group right and sam from ftx and whatnot right so we're looking at like 50 billion dollars between 10 people right now already and the rest of us are pooling capital pretty aggressively at will. Like four to eight yacht clubs already seen what two hundred million dollars in transactions this year amongst just a few nerds. Mm-hmm. Like, show us an island that's for sale, right? Like, yeah. And let's see what happens next. Like, I, I frankly think that that's probably the most anarchist version of the answer you'll hear. But yeah, like I think I think it's totally possible um, to see a legitimate physical separation. Um, I think without a doubt, and especially some of, we already see it with, um, you know, th- uh, certain countries that are starting to adopt Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin standard um, as their currency. But I do think like, uh, like you said, I do agree that it's going to be kind of like banding together. But in a sense, too, I guess it can, um, that can start to trickle over into politics as well. And you could see someone like uh, Mayor Suarez running for president and doing really well because of so many people that believe in, in the power power of blockchain and you know him being such a vocal advocate of it and so i guess it could just it, it's just probably a matter of uh years and years and years of slow evolving change of those minds um kind of taking over the current system because of so many people that are believers in in web3 and what we're building here and as i mean right now you know it's exponentially growing day by day and i don't think that's going to change so there'll be a time where it's almost like it's uh it's almost like uh we will have more of us than than them at some point i feel like and i guess that's kind of when you can you can change you know the culture and the laws um to be more fair to the next uh the next 10 generations after us totally totally i mean like i said it's like an anarchist thing to kind of say but like at the same time, like, we're not joking when we make comments like red-pilling somebody to help them understand crypto, right? Like, it's a legitimate philosophical mindset change of, like, how you view your own money, how you view your own rights, how you view those around you, right? Like, like a crypto punk is not worth a lot because it's just a scarce asset. There's a ton of scarce digital assets. It's worth a lot because of, like, the cultural effect and cultural understanding that's been built around it. And like the mentality that it takes to understand ownership of a digital good as being relevant is like, it takes an entire mind shift mm-hmm. because I still like my, like um, I love my mom. I've mentioned my mom a couple of times. She asked me like about money not long ago. Cause you know, COVID was tough on everybody and tough on my family and whatever. And she was like, you know, she knew I had this crypto punk, but she was like, still like, are you guys good? Are you guys good? Like I'm, I'm 26. We have a baby. And I was like, you know, I have this crypto punk. Right. And she was like, well, I mean, I know you have, I, like, I get it, I guess. And I was like, no, no, no. I, if I had a Rolls Royce sitting outside, would you be asking me if my money was good? And, <laughs> right. and she was like, she was like, well, no, I guess I wouldn't. I said, I'm trying to help you understand that digital ownership is that this is that but it's not a degrading asset and the rain isn't going to hurt it. Right. Like it's a mental shift. And that's not a flex on my mom. Obviously it's like literally just like she sees the punk on my, like when I'm texting her, that's my image on the iPhone and she still doesn't feel the weight of Jake has a Rolls Royce sitting outside. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But like if, if I did have a Rolls Royce sitting outside, I would have family asking me for money instead of asking how we're doing right, <laughs> right yeah uh, right? It's, it's different it is totally different it reminds you know what it, it's uh it, 
it is kind of it, sometimes you feel like it's illiquid in the fiat currency sense never in the crypto sense because we're crypto native i'm a big fan of certain uh coins and tech that's being developed around making this much easier to spend and a mass adoption in terms of like being able to actually spend your money uh and you know you're starting to see bigger corporations coming in too but there's inevitably a day where we're able to spend our crypto because it's just like companies are going to continue to adopt it and i feel like uh the best analogy that i've been able to come up with is when the the uh, government broke from the gold standard right and everyone was like uh okay so we have to turn our gold in and they were like yeah you'd turn your gold in we'll give you this much money well the people that didn't turn their gold in and kind of just held it and and you know hit it were the ones that ultimately ended up winning uh they just but they couldn't really do anything with it for years and years but their grandkids uh, you know now you know now looking back are the real winners so it's just a matter of you know when government kind of tries to unleash its power in that way it's like yeah right now i i have have all this ethereum i don't really can't really do anything with it but i do see a world in in a day where i don't have to worry about converting it all to cash because i can spend my crypto and not have to worry as much about you know all of the different flags or systems that could come up uh because you know it's all it's all native to the ecosystem and i think that's the day that i wait for and i think is on the horizon and i'm curious what your thoughts are on on kind of getting to that point too I don't I don't know what it's going to take for like the way like I so I talked to someone recently who runs a big talent agency and I was telling him you know my my goal generally is just to push web3 forward like that's it that's all my goal is right now like professionally personally and you know I said something about you know it's like I don't know if that's a podcast I don't know if that's conversations I don't know if that's a blog or whatever and and he was just saying, you know, in his opinion, there's going to have to be like an educational on-ramp for like the people with platforms, right? Like the web two individuals, the, the, the Jenners, the TikTokers, the whatever, like, yeah. like getting, getting them, cause these, these are young people, right? Getting other young people with massive platforms, not to like shill Shiva for you or like shill your PFP project, but like get them to where they legitimately understand crypto and like the why, like, I think it's going to take some of those things actually clicking and happening to really on ramp, like millions of people at a time into the, into this new mentality, right? We don't need more people to just buy NFTs, but until culture is on the same page about physical and digital ownership, we're just going to have this huge cultural gap, you know? Um, And I think, I think it's a big gap. Yeah, it is definitely a big between gap. between hand over your gold, hand over your Bitcoin, hand over right, and we'll give you something right. It's like there's a reason that when Australia did the gun buyback, that not many people brought them their guns. Right, right? Like, <laughs> like, like yeah, that's uh, they're like, mm, I live in Australia. We have snakes and spiders and and criminals also on the island. We're gonna keep our guns, thanks. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how that went. And that's exactly how that would go in the U S as well. You know, like there's just certain things that humans kind of stand up and they're like, "Mm, if I felt the need to have this in the first place, whether it's gold or it's Bitcoin or it's a gun, you know, they probably felt the need to have it. They didn't just frivolously acquire those things. You know, that's not like a frivolous thing to acquire, nor is it a frivolous thing to hand over. Yeah. Um, It's like a philosophical shift. Definitely. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. Okay, so now the big question, because 2020 is the year, and you said this is the main thing that people want to talk to you about, because we're coming to the Q4 now, we're getting to December. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's thinking about, oh, shit, I made a ton of money for the first time ever, because 2018 and 19, we were going down most of the time. So if you bought in, <laughs> it wasn't really as much of a concern. Now, all of a sudden, you have all these assets that are appreciating. So, so when it comes to stuff like like that when it comes to taxes what are some of the biggest things that you chat with people about and um and are you working on anything right now with in terms of project with uh nfts or crypto about you know trying to help assist people with taxes now that you know it is such a such a top of mind topic yeah so you know i helped a specific um 
member of the NFT space who you, you would all know who's had like an incredibly successful year. I helped him recently source, you know, a tax attorney and accountant and, and basically his questions were the same as, as most of ours, except his had the added layer of uh, a business partner who was anonymous. Right. And, you know, I, I have a business partner, but obviously informal as well. We're like, I, I own a punk with a friend. We each own half of a punk. And then, you know, the same situation, uh, Hunter Oral and Tropo Farmer, like they, they bought a photo together, an NFT together at, at four ETH and sold it at 120. And me and my buddy bought a punk at 40 and, you know, we could sell it for, I don't know, 100, 120. You know, these, the, the taxes are genuinely a different conversation each time. I don't have the same conversation each time because everyone is their own flavor of degenerate, mm-hmm. right? Like, Everyone is their own flavor of, oh, well, I'm in liquidity pools, or I buy Pixel Vault stuff and get all these airdrops, or I, you know, I got 888's NFT and <laughs> got all these airdrops, and, you know, and it's, it's amazing. It's fun. Everybody's having a great time. There's so much value being built, created, but at the end of the day, like, the headache of tracking it all is pretty insane. So, you know, the, the solution that I came up with, and, and I, I chatted about this a bit yesterday on a space, and... I don't, you know, I know your, your audience will be some on Twitter right now and some later, but I ended up putting together this, you know, it's about a 30 page PDF doc that we made into a much more digestible form um, on a, on a DAP. But basically we created an NFT. Uh, it's called the NFT tax guide. You can go to nfttaxguide.com. And basically I had a uh, Sartoshi, who's a legend, make a, make a fun meme because nobody really wants to learn about taxes, but if as well have like a fun meme to go along with it right so there's this uh this art by sartoshi that gets you into our website and there's like a 30 pager that's a tax guide and uh you know everyone who asks questions the the answer still kind of ends up being that you probably are going to need some kind of tax software to help like track all the wallets and kind of pull things into one place so um you know that's that's what we've done We, we built a guide and you know the conversations that i end up having at this point are either, you know, to be fair, it's like, Hey, like go check the guide because I already sourced like multiple attorneys and accountants to come in and help us with a lot of these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's basic, like I, you know, I'll shoot from the hip and give an answer, but I'm not a tax professional. I just sourced a bunch of tax professionals, you know? Yeah. Um, and then if somebody has like a question that obviously needs, uh, that, that obviously needs an attorney or an accountant, it's like, Hey, like, your question makes sense, but obviously you need to talk to a professional. So here's a link, you know, here's one of the homies. Like I've kind of vetted a few that know what they're doing. And um, when I say homies, I don't mean like that in the nepotism sense of like, these are my friends from 14 years ago. It's like, no, these are my friends from like three months ago, but they're absolutely <laughs> right. professional. They're absolutely professionals at what they do. I've seen them do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is it is it kind of the, uh, when it comes to taxes, is the mindset, you know, I think one thing that frightens people, it seems like the IRS or anyone, any six, anyone in the SEC, as soon as something becomes fairly successful, that's when they want to all, all of a sudden start chasing it because they, they're just like anyone else at the end of the day, they're chasing money. Uh, and so, and so I'm curious when it comes to that, um, you know, what, if there's, is it kind of just a waiting game to see how everything they do and how they handle handle it or is it just uh I, mean, I think for me i'm just curious like you know i don't know like i don't have software i don't know the answers i don't there's no way i've I, like i haven't tracked every trade so it's like uh it's just i think one thing that i think about also i haven't tracked all my losses either or my scams or you know things that basically went to zero which is a whole nother story from the last couple of years i've lost a ton of money and haven't wrote that off either and so it's just like to me i'm just for personally and i think a lot of people are just in this situation where they're like i don't i don't know what to do what to do i don't want to i don't want to go to jail i don't want to get in trouble but i also just have no idea and i think that's where a lot of people are at and i don't know um if there's a if if there's a line in your guide for someone that's in that camp of just like I have no idea. Like, is this is just, it almost seems like if I even start to try, then I'll get flagged and they're going to come actually look at all my shit and then I'll probably get in trouble. And that's how I honestly feel sometimes when it comes to the IRS. Like, 
you can even try and be a good actor and then it ends up leading you to all kinds of trouble in the end because now you're on the radar, you know? Yeah, I think the hard part is... The hard part is that is how it's going to go, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, the IRS, they're building out their forensic accounting team in general, right? Like, they're building out ways... Like, EtherScan is not that hard to track. No. Coinbase is not that hard to track. Like... Liquidity pools and stuff can get a little little more fancy and funky. But again, at the end of the day, still not that hard to track. Because you, if you want to get a very high-level le- explain like I'm five, what is blockchain again? It's a ledger. Yeah, it's a ledger. Of your ins and outs. <laughs> like, I mean, as soon as you're connected to a, a wallet, everything, you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope because then it's everything you've oh, done. It's not even slippery, dog. It's, it's everything not... right <laughs> it there. Is, it's it just, is. it's straightforward. It's, uh, hey, welcome to, welcome to Zen Ledger or Token Tax or Coinly or whatever. Import your wallet here. Oh, hey, buddy, we see you have activity dating back to 2016. Have you ever reported any of this? And you're like, no. And they're like, great. Yeah. So good luck with your forthcoming audit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you is know, it... because Uncle Sam's going to get theirs, right? Uncle Sam is going to look at your your transactions for gain or for loss in 2016, 2017. And, you know, ba- basically we're in like good faith territory still. We're like, you know, they just added it to your like personal tax forms like last year. Do you or do you not, you know, have or trade digital currencies, digital assets? Um, and last year, a lot of people put no, which was a lie. Yeah, or they that's... put yes, or they put yes, but they didn't attach, you know, any info, right? They didn't attach their trades or transactions. They just said yes and moved on. Um, moving forward, I f- yeah, I feel like that was a gotcha moment. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, it's bit, like it's like bit. you know, this is the this is the moment where it's like you know where you either if you say no and then if you find out five years ten years from now and you're and and they link it back like you're you're fucked because you you i mean now it's tax fraud uh and so yeah and tax fraud is like literally what's taken down some of the top gangsters of all time right it's what's taken down some of the top like wealthiest most powerful business people in the country multiple times it's rico charges it's tax fraud it's you know not clean books right so yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to lie about your crypto transactions if you're actually uploading your wallet. So what it's going to come down to is, are you uploading your wallets? And if you do, then yeah, you're opening yourself up looking backwards as well. But the thought process is, if you don't, if you don't do it at some point, then when are you going to do it? Right? Yeah, like, it gets harder how, and harder. How big? Yeah, how big are you going to let your crypto pile get for the next four or five years? And how paranoid are you going to be about trying to find a way to cash out? And have a friend go grab cash from their bank account to hand to you under the table at the coffee shop because you need thirty grand in hand, <laughs> but but you don't want to move money from your own MetaMask into your own Coinbase into your own bank account, right? Because yeah. then they'll go, oh, what's this Coinbase transaction? That's crypto, right? Like, you don't want to give the, the IRS too much credit and say that they're going to come knocking on doors in the next twelve months, but they will in the next five years. This yeah. isn't that hard, right? Like, they're just going to hire one of our friends. To come be a narc for the IRS and pay them a couple million dollars a year, or they're going to partner with some tax software that was built, you know, to to scan all of our wallets and look for anyone with an ENS domain that's tied back to someone's first and last name and ping it to them, right? Like this isn't hard to imagine. They're just going to have like a crypto taxation task force, which they already have, but it's not going to be that hard to imagine that they have one that's actually good, right, and capable of tracking down <clears throat> obvious fraud. Tornado Cash or, or Tumblers is going to be maybe a little harder, obviously, but like it's just not that hard to track most assets. I guess another uh, another thing that I was curious about when it comes to that specific point of like um, you know giving your wallet, there is like it, in any country and especially in America, like there's this right to privacy, right? And so then uh, is there is there an argument to be made in like the court of law that like uh, like an attorney can have or like you you can that 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 can be protected that that's not necessarily like you shouldn't have to give the irs or the government your wallet id but you can still report taxes and and gains and losses and have you know or is it is it one of those things that you can kind of protect yourself until you get to a point in court where it's like you're forced to uh and i'm just curious about your your perspective on kind of the right to privacy when it comes to like these public ledgers 
Yeah, I think there's um, the so there's a couple of things there that are actually like probably I know I've said the word philosophical a few times, but that's how I view a lot of the space, right? It's it's obviously oh, yeah. we're here for a reason, like from a philosophical perspective. But it, it's probably important to note that like your right to privacy over money isn't that strong in the U.S. Like like the government knows your bank records, right? And if you move more than $9,999 into your account, you have to account for it. They're yeah. flagging you for potential fraud, right? Yeah. Like that's only 10 grand, dude. We transact over 10 grand multiple times a week, yeah. like in MetaMask. Like I do, like, I, I, I don't know. Like it's not always going up. It's sometimes going down, but like, yeah, I'm probably sending 10 grand or receiving 10 grand once a week on MetaMask right now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a potential fraud target, like a fraudulent event or whatever, right? Like as far as the government's concerned. So a, you know, with your own bank account, you don't have that much right of of a right of privacy over your transaction amounts or like transaction types. Right. So it's fair to assume, especially for someone who's, I mean, ENS domains are great, right? Dot ETH are great and stoppable domains, however you want to go about it of tying yourself to your wallet. But by doing that, you have literally made your wallet public mm-hmm. and like the IRS can just point at your first name and last name that's tied to your wallet and say, we see your transactions here. They are right. Mm-hmm. Like good luck hiding that from us. <laughs> right. Like that, like there's no, there's no way to now hide the fact that it's like, Oh, well that one's not me. And it's like, Hey buddy. Um, your 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 handle is, is twiddly D two, seven, four, eight. Yeah. And your dot this... ETH is, that right yeah. like it's not that hard yeah. um to find unique identifiers on people using you know their handle or their first name last name or whatever they're using um so i'm just using those as basic examples of like no i don't think you'll be able to check the box that says yes i've, t- I've touched digital assets and then say here's my number i'm up 12 grand this year right because <laughs> they're gonna be like okay show us how you're up 12 grand this year yeah and you're going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I prefer okay. I would prefer not to uh, have to get I, into I, the details because I, I have exactly. no. Exactly, I choose not to. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean like my, my accountant. My accountant signed off on it, and they'll be like, okay, great. So now we're going to audit everything your accountant's ever touched because he shouldn't have signed off on this without showing us the paperwork. Yeah. Um, which is true. I mean, look, like I've got. One, the one stickiest like tax situation I'm in is I mentioned earlier, I bought a punk with a friend, right? Well, we did that in a third wallet. Like we literally both sent half of the amount to a third wallet and bought from the third wallet. And when we sell, like that's in a different wallet. So like, does that wallet owe taxes? I don't know. Whose wallet is it? It's not my wallet. It's Mm -hmm. not his wallet. It's like kind of a shared wallet thing. Like, do we need to go do paperwork to set up a general partnership formally with the state like, and have a partnership level tax return? Honestly, it's probably like an attorney would probably say yes to that. Um, and that's crazy, but I'll probably have to do that before tax, you know, before we file taxes, we also haven't sold the punk. So I may not do that this year. It's just like a long hold. Um, also, we should get Greg up here to tell us about taxes at some point if, uh, <laughs> if we Hell can. Because yeah. um, um, if you don't sell it, you don't pay taxes. That's right. That's um, something to remember, too, if you're really committed and it comes down to conviction. Um, and I always kind of think about that when I make trades is I prefer not to be a quick flipper because you're. it just becomes even more of a mess when it comes to tax issues uh, with trying to calculate. But I always uh, suggest, you know, I've moved some of my altcoin uh, altcoins into you know, more of like NFTs, but the NFTs I have, I really don't plan on moving or, you know, uh, you, you, if you hold and you have diamond hands, there's a benefit of not having to worry as much about some of these complex, uh, annoying issues that are going to continue to persist. And, uh, and you can do it legally. You don't have to worry because you're holding and you, you, you sell something else, you pay tax on what you sold, but then you're holding this new thing and you don't have to worry until, until you sell that. And so it, it, I think, uh, in terms of becoming a long-term holder and having conviction in projects becomes, there's a much heavier and stronger argument to find those. So that way, you know, you're not going to be in the asset class with thousands of other people that are just constantly flipping and having that nightmare at tax time. 
Yeah, it's gonna be pretty nuts. It's gonna be nuts. It's gonna get worse, and it's gonna it's gonna be something that you like you said, like years down the road is when it's gonna hit. You know, like the IRS and security SEC is just kind of hitting like some of these altcoins and some of these the, you know a lot of these uh, companies that were started during the ICO craze, and uh, and it, it you know it happens in waves. So you if that's starting now, you know in a couple years is when it's gonna start to trickle down to to this space. Is there a time frame that you feel like, and this will be my last question, then if you have a question, go ahead and hit that request button. I want to bring some people up for Community Corner where you can ask um, Jacob your question. But my last question is, uh, when when do you think, um, you know, that this, this trickle effect comes down into the NFT space? Do you think it happens sooner now that it, now that it's on the radar more for bigger companies and then kind of trickles down and, uh, you know, does it start with bigger, like where the money is, so bigger companies, and then kind of trickles down to bigger individual owners? How how does that kind of work? And in terms of how you see the IRS or the SEC moving and kind of their priorities, I think we'll probably see some stuff around OpenSea first. Really, just like they're partnering with Visa, they're doing everything they can to get you know a lot of money onto the platform and whatever, you know, they delisted the cryptodes and whatnot. Or no, not cryptodes, the uh, turtles, something turtle now, something turtles was the uh, token they delisted because it looked like a security, whatever. I think we're going to see litigation at at the highest level first uh, on one of the billion dollar platforms. Yeah. Um, and that'll be kind of the precedent. Set the stage. I mean, I mean, we saw litigation started against Dapper Labs earlier this year. It was a poorly written argument and the argument itself was bad. Um, cause top shots are obviously not securities, but flow token probably is, um, you know, so it, it, it's interesting, right? Like, but I think it starts at the top. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like if we look back at precedent too, you always see it starting at the top. It starts where the big, the big money is where the, you know, the basically if open C were to shut down, a lot of people would have nowhere to go to trade or they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have as good of a platform. And so that's another, I think, aspect of it is kind of when uh, they started to go after Binance and Binance had to split off, become a lot more strict. Uh, and now, you know, people in the U.S. started complaining. They didn't have all these tools. Uh, but that's because if the if the company didn't comply, then they were going to have all kinds of issues. And so that trickle down effect it, it affects them. But then in in essence, because they have to crack down, it's going to affect all the users. Especially, I love that you say that because, like you said, the open sea may have to cr- crack down and start delisting and not allow people to even see certain projects. And that obviously, if you're holding that project, will be terrible uh, because now you don't have a platform to trade it. Um, and so it, it, I think it is interesting that you mentioned that because uh, for years, you know, from 2017 on, we've always talked about user interface. And so if user interface and, and they can make it harder for these big companies that have made it easier, then that's going to trickle down and affect the whole ecosystem. Yeah, man, I'm, we're on the same page. Um, let's let's pop through a few questions real quick, and then I got I got to bounce. Heck yeah! All right, we're gonna go ahead and turn to community corner. If you have a question, now's the time. We'll take a couple questions before we head out. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of community corner. All right, first person up, I got Ron. Ron, what's going on, man? Go ahead. What's up, crazy Carl? How's it going, Jake? Hey, guys. Hey, Ron. Hey, I have a question on or surrounding the securities piece of it. You had mentioned that there was a, sort of like a proof of work almost where you can prove that you, you've done work to gain that monetary gain off of it. If, if that's the case, how do, you, how do you think or how would you propose a project to prove that they are doing work uh, to get that gain? in terms of like a DAO situation or, or even maybe a liquidity pool. Yeah. I mean, the argument, the argument from the utility token perspective is that, you know, the utility, the the value of the thing is tied to the utility and, and there really is no independent value. It's just people who want the utility, right? So they want to rename their cyber Kong. So they want banana. And if everybody wants to rename their cyber Kong at the same time, and everybody wants the banana that drove the price up, it's not a security, right? Um, 
at the end of the day, I'm not a securities attorney, although I, I'm working on various like securities and or DAO things. I just have to loop in other experts because frankly, like we don't have enough litigation to know how the court sees it or how the SEC sees it, frankly, like the DAO side at least. Um, so we just have to assume and, and play it relatively safe, like from a legal advice perspective, but you can play it basically, you know, tons of people are playing it as loose as possible from like an innovation perspective. So I would say like if there, if there is a token and the token is like simply to be used for things or, you know, it's to be used for things and it's not being viewed by anybody on the core team or anybody in the game plan as uh, a compensation method, then there's, there's room for arguments, but if you're going to say, hey, this is a utility token, also we, the core team, are paying ourselves in this utility token, it's like, well, all right, it's probably not that much of a utility token if you want it enough that you're getting compensated in it. Good question. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Ron, for coming on and, and asking that. Tommy, uh, we'll do one more question. Tommy, you go ahead. Hey, hey how's it going? Um, so my, my question kind of revolves around, you know, just the generals of tax time. Um, I have a tax professional that I actually use every year. And uh, last year was the first year she really had to handle my uh, crypto wallets, right? And they definitely gave her some uh, insight into what to do for crypto transactions last year, which was the first year she got any of that. Um, this year, having all these uh, NFT transactions and stuff, you know, I definitely know she's not familiar with NFTs. And even if they gave her guidance like they did with. I think you cut out. Or maybe I cut out. Yeah, I lost him. All right. Uh, Tommy, I think you cut out, brother. I don't know what you what question you were leading up to. Is there any maybe is there any software like if you have a tax accountant, is there any kind of software you can, you know, uh, tell them to use or utilize to help out with some of the uh, NFT related purchases, Jacob? Yeah, so so one interesting group that I actually think is, is going to end up being one of our larger consumers of the NFT tax guide, right? I think it's going to be like probably half degenerates, fellow degenerates that want to read the, the guide. But then I think we're actually going to end up, I think, and I hope that we're actually going to sell quite a lot of these to tax professionals, right? And that they'll be like, well, there's no guidance. There's no guidance. And it's like, well, here's this thing that multiple top tier accountants and attorneys put together. And they're all already dealing with like IRS audits on crypto. So like, you know, I, and, and it's, it's, it's the main reason that we added a section on our website of like buying your first NFT. Like we're genuinely hoping that some professionals will use this as their opportunity to buy their first NFT and read the guide, and, mm -hmm. you know, Love come up that. to speed a bit on crypto, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Tommy, I see you got pulled back up here. Was that your question or did you have kind of a directed other question there? <laughs> I, I got like the last two seconds of his answer. I got rugged. Oh, <laughs> oh we, I ha was your question uh, about kind of if they're what you can recommend to your tax professional to help them uh, with this stuff. Right. Or, or if you think that, you know, I should be looking at someone who is more into the NFT space and taxes in general. Yeah, and so he, Jacob, can you say, t talk a little bit about how is it um, the tax guide that you were talking about? Is it accessible to um, you know uh, anyone? Can you talk a little bit about how we can go about finding that if someone is curious uh, or looking for it? Yeah, yeah. So, so the way that we we put it together is it's the guide itself is behind a token gated wall. So you know you come to you go to nfttaxguide.com. And on the site, you can mint an NFT. Once you have the NFT in your wallet, you can click read the guide. And that takes you into the back of the website where it's easy to navigate through the different tabs. We cover DeFi, DAOs, NFTs, crypto generally. Um, yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of resource, 
resource there. Um, a lot of info. That's awesome. And uh, I did ask Greg to come up, but he has to, he, I don't think he wants to come up and, and talk about his uh, <laughs> right. safe haven, his diamond hands. His diamond hands. All we all know Greg has diamond hands though. So Greg he's not, he's not going to have to worry about anything. Hey, Jacob, this was so, so much fun. I mean, this hour flew by. Sorry. I know that we actually went past an hour. So I apologize if you had other meetings, I totally lost track of time. Cause I really enjoyed just chatting with you, man. Good stuff, dude. Yeah, I, I just canceled a call and I'm pushing it later. Oh, man, you're the best. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. And um, is there anything besides the tax NFT that you've, uh, the tax guide NFT, anything that you want to share that you've been working on? Or are, I, I don't know, are you going to be in NFT NYC doing any uh, chats, anything that people may may uh, want to know about? Yeah, I'll be at NFT NYC along with hopefully a hundred thousand other of you um, <laughs> speaking along speaking alongside fifteen thousand people for about 45 seconds each um, <laughs> that's, and, that's what it feels like <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah no i mean the the other the, the other most fun thing i'm working on right now is i'm working with a group that's probably going to buy a uh, a professional soccer team here shortly they, they we're dowing let's go dowing a group together to, to buy a soccer team so that's what i'm talking about we'll that, that you know that's uh, what i'm looking forward to there when when uh <laughs> when the people can own uh sports teams we're gonna get to a whole yeah, different exactly. level so i love it that's that's yeah. pioneer shit right there keep up the hard work man keep grinding it's been fun uh, i love your conviction in the space but also that you i mean you started and you're just as passionate when it comes to collecting and being active and so really appreciate you as a pioneer and just believing in the tech and uh, I think one thing that I always think about is when when I became a teacher, once I was finally a teacher, I was like, uh, I was just I, I had respect for all my teachers, but I was like, they, they were just trying to figure this shit out, too. They had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and I feel like it's got to feel somewhat similar as an attorney is like you just you're trying to figure it out, too, sometimes. And you're human. And I love that you um, are comfortable making it known that you, you know, you're just like anyone else, just trying to do your best and, and help the space grow. So really appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. I enjoyed the chat and we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Soon. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. All right, guys, have a good one. If you miss any part of the show, I'll get it recorded. I'll uh, finish this recording up and then I'll post it on the crazy about crypto show.com. If you don't follow Jacob, do that now too, before you leave, because he's such a, a amazing voice in the space. And, um, some of his tweets are gold. You don't want to miss them. Uh, and we'll see you in the metaverse for our next show. This yeah, has been another ya. production of see ya, Jacob. Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse. <laughs>